You're listening to the private podcast for The Matrix with Amber Smith. Today is a hot seat coaching day. So it's just like whatever is useful for you. Like, let's talk about it. Just remember, too, there's no bad questions. Sometimes I think we get in our head about like asking the wrong question. Just remember that there's other people. Maybe they don't even know that they have that question. And so it's always helpful just to bring it because I know people benefit from it. So Ashley, did you want to go first since I have you live? Yeah. So today I'm announcing my class. Yay! So excited. So what I'm announcing is the name of the class. Like the basic details that I'm announcing are the name of the class, who it's for, the basics that I'm going to be teaching in the class, and when it is. I'm also announcing that there's going to be early bird pricing and when it's going to be available to purchase, when it's going to be available to sign up. Do I say the name of the price today? Like the early price? Both. Yeah. I would say both. I'd give them the heads up. The full price will be this, but you can get an early bird for this. I like it. Okay. That's all. Thank you. You're easy. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Is there anything else that I should be telling them? No. Because they can't even join today, right? Yeah. I think that the bare bones is really good. Okay. How much information about the class do you recommend that I share? I think that's personal preference. Like for me, I know that you watch, like I don't give very much. This is what it is. It's coming. Get excited. I like to think of it like a movie trailer. Yeah. Okay. Do you have like a one-liner or like, are you going to use the word perimenopause? So it's called the Hormone Empowerment Masterclass. Like it. And then it's for every woman ages. And then I dropped it down to 30. So every woman 30 to menopause. And the one-liner is take control of your perimenopause experience and feel confident in your perimenopause experience. I love it. So maybe I guess I could say like, I'm going to be sharing the top three things that I wish I would have known about perimenopause. Okay. You like that too. It's building up the hype. It's making people know like it's coming, but it's not even available. So like you're really just getting people hyped up. I'm excited for you. So okay. All right. Anyone else want to go next for the hot seat? Jules, let's do it. Hi, Amber. How everyone? How are you today, Amber? So good. You look amazing. I love your oh, shirt. Thank you. Yes. It's my powerful shirt. I like well, it. Well, so I am <laughs> making myself creative, I suppose. So I'm trying to have a layout or just have a little bit of my own direction on where to take my Mary Kay ladies. So we had a very good boxer conversation on Thursday. I went forward with what I was feeling and I held myself in that space and I communicated to them. It created a lot of engagement. So I got to know them a little bit better and more. Maybe they felt a little bit more relaxed or whatever it is. But I'm like more or less focusing just even on the first session because I feel like if I get the first session right, so to speak, <laughs> then I kind of like figured it out where to go next. And when I talk to them, it seems like they are at this verge of maybe even giving up Mary Kay or some parts of it. There is that sense of kind of like regret. There is a sense of fear. There is like that sense of uncertain, unknown, and they haven't done enough. And when the 23-year-old came about and she created the million in about two years, they like, <laughs> so there was like a lot of that. 
And so we will be using our sessions to help them get clarity. And I definitely will be talking more from that be, do, have model because they all obviously did the reverse. And like they even said that, well, in our Mary Kay world or the pink bubble, they call it, <laughs> this is how like we do it. And mm -hmm. I'm like, well, there is another way. <laughs> and I like to just lead to something, like have some kind of image. And I really think about the law of harvest and planting the seed. And I was thinking perhaps to like give them a homework, so to speak, before the first session to start with appreciation, like have some kind of like a gratitude exercise where they can just write down perhaps in like three to five business and personal actual accomplishments that they're proud of. And maybe like, who did they need to become in order for them to happen? If they can relate to that. And something like that, like we're starting kind of like from the abundant place and perhaps we can move to the regret next and kind of do some forgiveness around it or move to the what? Regret. Regret. Okay. Maybe the next step will be like the regret so they can like, you know, let it out and forgive themselves and whatever, <laughs> because it's a sense like that was energy there. And that's what I believe makes them more confused where to go next because they're not like forgiving themselves for what they didn't do or didn't do right or enough. So how can I help you? Well, I would like some directions, affirmation or some questions on how to, you know, create something like start in the beginning so I can feel good about it. I feel good about yeah. it. <laughs> I think it will be all right. It help you just feel good about it. Okay. No, not feel good about it. I would like some guidance and strategies from your perspective of how you see it. From what I said, yeah, planting the seeds. So that you can feel confident in leading this first session? Yes, I feel good about the first session. Yes. We'll show up confident. I just would like to have a little map. You just described your map. Then I guess maybe I'll want somebody short. <laughs> I know what you, uh, want. you want me to say it's a good idea or that it's enough or that you're doing a good job or something like that. Well, then maybe you can tell me why is it such a good idea? So what I'm interested in is why don't you already think it's a good idea? Well, I don't know, because I am maybe going all different directions. <laughs> no, I think it's a good idea because we want to start with what they planted, with the seeds they planted before. And it's just their opportunity to recognize what they've actually accomplished. It's amazing. And we'll see what it's going to bring us, I guess, into the first session. I guess it, it's an excellent idea. Yeah, because as your coach, what I want you to know is like that you are the person to lead this group and that your ideas are good because you know these women. I'm getting to know them. Yes. Well, I've manifested them. So, yes, then they came to me because I am their energetic match. Now, I guess my job is to become my own energetic match. Yeah, and to trust that your ideas are good. Yes, maybe I need some coaching on that to trust yeah. my ideas that are good. <laughs> That's where I want to go because I think it's easy for us to think like that I know better, like that I know what you should teach. And I don't because I've never coached someone in Mary Kay. I wasn't the one that was contacted to lead the group, but you were. So you have something that is useful for these women and your ideas are good. But what is offering you perhaps the way they're gonna receive it because they've had all kinds of coaches and they've been on this path and i'm just starting with this 
gratitude you think maybe it's not like good enough <laughs> that's what i'm interested in is your thought about it not being good enough yeah i guess it's like in the way the simplest exercise ever it's like well duh we know how to do that so whenever i have thoughts like that i always listen for like the intelligence but not the judgment so it's like what is helpful about that you might come up with even better content what is not helpful about that is the judgment of like you not being enough right so when i have a thought like will this make a difference? It's not like I dismiss it like, oh, that's so negative. It's like, okay, where's the intelligence behind that thought? Like, is a gratitude exercise the most useful thing for these women? Well, I have a feeling that it is. Yes. Then that's good insight. So just, yeah, trust my feelings. That's part of the... Yeah. And especially for an ongoing group, how many times will you end up meeting with them? We do three weeks on one week, I call it integration week, whatever that means, whatever it's going to be like. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then again? Yeah, it's for 12 weeks. Uh -huh. That will be nine one-on-one -on -one sessions and three integration weeks. Yeah. So then the other thing that I want you to do is be able to trust yourself. If you feel like you need to make changes, you can. That you can trust yourself to deliver what they need, even if you don't know what that is yet, as you develop a relationship with them, as you get feedback, that you'll be able to decipher or to discern what they need and then deliver it the next time. That it can be an evolving process for you. And that's okay. Well, yeah, I think I feel okay as we get going. It's like that first sort of speak opening <laughs> where I spend most of my time. But as we get going, I'm fine. Because I will get to know them, we'll have interaction, and yes, I'm okay to change and all of that. It's like that first thing, sort of, I get thinking maybe more than I should. <laughs> and what's your human design tool? Manifester. I was just curious, because the other thing that I think might be helpful, or at least for me, when I'm getting to know people, is you might meet them. I don't know how many people are there. There's only three, and I did meet them once, yeah. and I met with one of them also. And then we just did some boxering. So yeah. yeah. So then you might even start the group. Like, tell me what's frustrating you. Tell me where you're stuck. Tell me what you want. Like, you know, I teach this for like one-on-one -on -one coaching. I always put it on my clients. Like, what do you want to get out of this call? What will make it powerful for you? How can I help you so that I know what we're aiming for? And so you might do that at the beginning of the group. Like, what are you helping Joni? What are you hoping you get out of these 12 weeks together? And then you go to the next one, Jane. What are you hoping you get out of these 12 weeks together so that you can get a picture? Like, what are we working on? Yeah, which we kind of sort of did, but it was still very much wide open. And that's when I did give them some other exercise on priorities. They all came to the decision that Mary Kay is not their priority either. So, but yeah, I guess maybe I'll start like that. Then I don't need to give them the whole work. So that would be the well, easiest one. Will it be like an hour? No, I think it's 90 minutes. Oh, okay, so then you have plenty of time to also give them homework if you want to. <laughs> I think you know more than you're remembering that you know, that you have a lot of information and it can be like a co-creative experience and you can trust that what you know is already enough or what you already know is enough to lead the group. You can make changes accordingly if you need to, but also that your ideas are good, that the gratitude exercise is good, that having them describe what they want is good, that, you know, whatever you are... When you think about them, you naturally have ideas to support them and that you can trust those ideas. I think that's a really important thing that you take away from our coaching is that you can trust your ideas, that my ideas aren't superior to your ideas. Yeah, but they are stimulating for my ideas. <laughs>
<laughs> yes. And I like the way you think. So that's why. Appreciate <laughs> that. I just don't want you to think that I know better for your clients. Yes. No. Yeah. I don't think like that. I just love the way you think and it's stimulating. So it helps me grow my seeds for my apple orchard, I guess. Yeah. So I'll just take that as an Here's opportunity. questions for you that I like. Like, how would I want my clients to feel at the end of our first call together? And if I want them to feel inspired, if I want them to feel more certain, if I want them to feel excited, or maybe it's like believing in Mary Kay again, you know, how would I facilitate that? What would it take for me to lead them on that journey so that that's how they feel when we're done? And then I just see what comes up. All right. Thank you. I'm excited. When do you meet with them? We start first Tuesday in September. So you have plenty of time. Yes, I do. But meanwhile, we're talking on Voxer because I did give them the homework on commitment. I'm up-leveling myself and them too, but they seem to be doing it. So that's good. That's so. awesome. <laughs> I will have even more conversations before. So we can definitely keep talking. Yes. Thank you. Well, thanks, Jules. Kristen, did you want to come on? Okay. Awesome. Let's chat. Okay. So what I have noticed is that I have some form of, like, my brain is not online yet, let me, <laughs> some form of, like, when I'm thinking about sending out my newsletter, I am like, oh, I only want to send out one newsletter a month because I don't want to bug my people. And I want to make sure that it has something that is useful, whether it's inspiring or thought-provoking or moves them to action or whatever. I want to have some meat to it. It's not just, like, I'm sending out fluff. And I noticed that I'm like, because of that, I think I put a lot of pressure on my newsletter and it makes me hesitant to make offers, I think, to some extent, because I don't feel like I'm too pushy and I'm okay with like offering my services because I think like what you said to me a little while ago, like, isn't the best way to serve them is to do this and I'm like, yeah, 100%, right? And so anyway, that's kind of what's coming up for me. It sounds like you have some pretty strong beliefs about what you think they believe about you. Yes. What's think they think about you i'm not sure but i know where one place that this comes from is i have a lot of judgment from other people that i get emails from and so i hate to get bombarded by emails like if i sign up for something i'm like please don't send me a ton of emails or i'm out you know and i unsubscribe pretty regularly because i try to like kind of protect what comes in so i think i am pretty well my first word i'd like to use is discerning on whose content i consume but like, what do I think that they think about me? I think I just, I'm like, oh, I don't want to be annoying. Do I annoy you when I send my emails every week? You send emails every week? Because I like yours. Crap, annoying Kristen. <laughs> right? This, it sounds like you're trying to do it. kind of sounds like you're trying to control how they think about you. Totally. We can't do that. No. Whatever they want, because this is what's funny, is some people will wish you email more. Some people, <laughs> once a month is too much, they'll unsubscribe. Yeah. And that's okay. Yes. And I also hate to write my email. See, it almost like art. Like, I made this really cool email and I'd like to share it with you. Here you go. And you're not trying to control how they interpret your email. This is like that lighthouse metaphor so powerful. This is like you shining your light. Some people will resonate and like it and some people won't. And your job isn't trying to please everyone with your email. I'm going to make the most incredible email that I only send once a month so I don't annoy people. I'm like, you're setting yourself up for a lot of stress. And a lot of, how do I write an email that everyone likes and that everyone opens? It's the wrong question. 
Let's find a different question. I like that idea. What kind of email would you love to write? I like them too. Well, no, I asked what kind of email you would like to write. But do I like to write? What do you like to read? What do you like to write about? What do you like to teach? What I like to teach is a different question than what I like to write about. I think that I have a hang up on like my writing. Like I think I've said, right. Oh, I have a better talker and I'm a better teacher than writer. So that always stresses me out. So what do I like to write about? I like to write about my aha moments or connections that I've seen. Like I like to make connections between things that have happened in my life and how it connects to life coaching principles in some way. Like insightful. I like to write insightful things. I would say that's a good word that fills. And it's just my insights. Like I'm just trying to share my insights. I want you to write something down or at least think about it. The order that I try to create content is for me, for you, for us. But for me comes first. So it's like, this is what I've been thinking about. These are the insights that I've had. These are the ideas that are meaningful to me. Then it's like, this is how it's for you. Because I hope this helps you. Yes. And for us, it's like how my business and my clients all work together. It's a co-creative experience. I can't be a coach without clients. So I need people to read my email, but I also like writing my email, right? It's like this three parts working together. But I think you've only been thinking about one person, which is you, the person reading it. But like, I want you to enjoy the process just as much. You'll be way more likely to actually send emails if you like it. Yes. And the thought that just comes to me is like, I think what would really help me is to make it part of my routine to spend 15 to 20 minutes a day just writing. Do you like writing? I like to write on pieces of paper that are just pieces of paper, not journal style. I just like to get my thoughts down. I don't even like to type them usually. Like there's something I really like about like pen to paper. I actually really love to do that. So maybe I just give myself permission to do that and then I can pull content out of that stuff. Yes. One of the things that I like to think of is like we are curators. You might find yourself writing and then you're like, ooh, like, what do I want to include in my newsletter from what I've been writing about already? And it's about you. And that's okay. I promise it will also help other people. But I think if you actually enjoy the process, newsletters will change for you. It won't feel like this burden. Yes. And so I think this kind of ties to, so last month I did my four free, sell my free spots and I loved it and it worked out great and got filled up in two or three days and I was anyway I just enjoyed that whole process and then I remember you saying like well if I was building my businesses what I'd do all the time but it's time for another newsletter does it take the specialness of it away if I do it again this month no like I told you I would do it every week I would like invent a new call and I would say there's a limited number of spots available every week if I had to go back that's how I would do my coaching business from scratch okay yeah just invent a new like I would pick a topic, I would name the call something, and I would pick a limited number of spots, and I would open it up and book the call. I would close it, and then I would do it all over again the next week. <laughs> that is what I would do. Okay. Works. When you opened up limited spots, when you had a focus, you got calls on your calendar, right? Yeah. And so it's a powerful way to get calls on your calendar. Yes. I was just worried about, like, <laughs> do you specify, like, hey, if you've already done one of these or anything like that, or do you just... Real time. If I had someone who like booked the first free call and then they booked the second free call, I would show up for that call. And the first thing I would say is, you know, I think you'd be a good fit for one-on-one coaching. Seems like you like talking about this kind of stuff. Have you yeah. thought one-on-one coaching? And I would put them right on the spot. 
because obviously they're very interested in talking to you. Okay. And I was thinking specifically about a prospective client that I'd done the free call with her. And then she ended up like contacting me outside of, we had another, it wasn't a free call, but we talked a lot. (laughs) And then as soon as that one-on-one came open, she took that. Direct offer about one-on-one. She's saying she wants it without saying she wants it. And sometimes they need us to guide them through that decision. I had a client that used to DM me all the time. She listened to my podcast and then she'd send me a DM on Instagram with questions or like her ahas. And one day I was like, hey, seems like you kind of want to work together. Like, do you want to talk about that? She's like, yes, yes, I do. Because she didn't know how to say that. But by me bringing it up, we were able to like turn it into a consultation. I think she's probably like very interested in what you do. Yes. And she's told me like, oh, we need to work together. We need to work together. And what do you say? I'm like, well, I'm here anytime you're ready. You know, that's usually what I say. Or Yeah. I think you, like, let's call this spicy coaching. I think you could say something like, yeah, let's talk about that. When would you want to start? Yeah. And actually, I think the reason it bothers me is because she did like say, I'm ready. Let's go. She booked her first call. And a couple hours before, she like gives me this story about how she doesn't think that God wants her to work. Like, it's not the right timing. And I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. But then she sent me a Marco Polo that was an hour and a half long. And I just told her like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I'm not able to listen to an hour and a half long Marco Polo. Oh, and it was an hour and a half? Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is where I need to make sure I set my clear boundaries with her because she's going to be one that kind of pushes it, I think. And so... And I'm talking pretty specifically about her and another girl that signed up. So I did the four spots, that woman. And then another one went to another girl who has had a lot of free coaching from me. And I think I was kind of like, well, this is going to be all the people that want the free stuff. Then maybe I need to change the way I do this so that I get the right people signing up for it. Yeah. And I think being willing to have harder conversations with people who are in your world and are afraid to commit to one-on-one coaching, but they would benefit the most out of that. Yeah, I think that's true. I'm just writing that down because I need to But A couple thoughts for you too. Like, this is how I think about it. Like, if my paying clients found out I was listening to people's Marco Polos and coaching them for free because I was too afraid to have a boundary conversation, how would I feel about that? If my clients found that out, it's like, probably not good. So I'm willing to have those uncomfortable conversations. The second thing that I want you to consider is if you were a fully booked coach with all the clients you can imagine, how would you feel about the people who are doing this and how would you address it? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is like, oh, that's cute. And I'm probably just going to, I don't want to say like not engage, but just set those boundaries and be kind of clear on how I spend my time and energy that way. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. But also they already know it. If I were like, say something like, I don't even know how I would necessarily say it. But like I said to that lady, I just said, oh, I'm sorry. I can't listen to an hour and a half. Like, I just have to use my time wisely because I only work a few days a week. And so I'm very careful about how I use my time. And that's paying client time. (laughs) Well, I had someone find my Voxer. I don't know how she found my Voxer from just like following me on Instagram. And she sent me a Voxer asking me a question. And my response was like, hey, I'm so glad that we're connected, but my Voxer is only for my clients. If you wouldn't mind, like send me this message on Instagram and I'll respond when I can. It's uncomfortable, but boundaries help people know how to work with you. It's like you're teaching them in real time. This is what it looks like to work with me. And if you'd like this kind of relationship, we should talk about one-on-one coaching. Relationship is for my private clients. 
Yeah. So I probably then don't need to like put any little asterisk if you've signed up for a free one. Yes. That's just to have that conversation with them if they keep showing up as a free yes. client. If they book a call, that's when I would bring it up. And then I'd be like, listen, like I love it or a free call. But if you want to keep having calls, that's what private coaching is. We keep having calls. So please don't book a free call, you know, with love. Like those are reserved for people who are interested in trying coaching. You've already had that experience. And if you want to talk about continuing, that sounds like private coaching. That looks like. Yeah. And just with all the love, I love how I can do it with love. So much love. If I even need to have that conversation. And you might not even have to have that conversation. So people aren't going to be too, it's not, okay, let me rephrase my question because I was like going to try to manipulate their feelings. Yeah. It's like you're trying to control how they feel about reading your newsletter. Yes. I write for me. I write for them. And I write for us. One of the metaphors that I like to think about is like business is like an art. I don't know if you've ever had the experience of like looking at like a painting and you're like, I really get it. And then someone else is like, this is the most incredible thing. That's how people are going to interpret your business too. That's okay. Our job is not to like control how people see us. It's to shine our light, like the lighthouse. Yeah. And people resonate. They will move towards you. And if they don't, they will go find a person that they do resonate with. Because I bet there's people who will totally resonate, but you're not speaking their language yet because you're trying to control be the perfect email writer like it's never too much i remember when i was first starting to write emails my mom bless her heart was like honey you're sending so many emails like some people might unsubscribe in my mind i was like i don't take advice from people who aren't doing what i want to do and my mentor told me to email every week my mom that does not run a coaching business so be careful like even for yourself it's like i don't like opening emails but you are now a business owner And so it's part of what we do. Not that you have to email every week. I think the point is to be like mindful of where the thoughts are coming from. Some of your best clients are going to love reading every single newsletter that you send. And they're going to wish you sent more. But you don't love that. Okay, I love that. Right? Like it's art because you love it. For me, for you, for us, right? That you like writing the newsletters. Yes. And how would you act if you were fully booked? How would your boundaries be? What would you say to people? Exciting stuff. I got it. I'm excited. Awesome. Thank you. Problem. Thanks, Kristen. Okay. Anyone else want the hot seat? Oh, Bonnie, you joined us. Hi. Can't say hi. You don't have to come on, but I didn't see that you joined us. I'm glad to see you. Okay. Who wants the hot seat? It can be big or small. You don't even have to know exactly what you need support with. Sometimes that's like the most magical. So who wants it? While you guys are all deciding, I shared this with the Miracle Mind last week, but you guys should read this book called Your Invisible Power by Genevieve Berend, B-E-H-R-E-N-D. It's very good. It's on my desk, so I'm going to recommend it since we're just chilling. Amber, can I jump on real quick? Yes. Hi, Jade. Hi. Okay. This has been awesome. I love group coaching because I hear things other people are being coached on. I'm like, I need to hear that. So mine's about my podcast. I have kind of shifted with like this crash course that we're doing. And so with that shift, I feel like I use my podcast and all my content used to be tailored to like a very specific person, like a female of a certain age, probably a young mom. It was like a demographic, I guess. And all with the podcast, because my content has shifted so much, I feel like it's kind of the demographic is anyone, but it's more like, I don't know the word for it, but it's more like what that person is focusing on. Does that make sense? I think calls it a psychographic. I resonate with that. Thank you. Okay, so I'm shifting from a demographic to a psychographic. 
and having a little bit of drama about it. Because when I do podcasts, I talk about what feels good to me. Mm-hmm. And then I try to add something to connect it to them, like you were saying. And most of that feels really good. But there's a part of me that is like, am I talking about too many things? Like, do I need to rein it in? Because I just want to talk about everything. What do you want? Under the umbrella of like living a unique or like a custom built life. So my question is, what do you want the podcast to be for? Is there a purpose for it? I guess it's two parts because one is like I start it with an update of where we're at on our crash course because a lot of people I think just want to listen. Yeah, it's interesting. For that, to know like what we're doing. But then also I want to talk about what I'm learning and what's on my mind and my inspiration and that kind of thing. My episodes are kind of like an update and then a topic mm-hmm. that I just feel good about that week. It's getting a lot of positive feedback. I feel like I'm getting positive feedback from like 60-year-old women. (laughs) Yeah. And that's fine. But it's not the only person that I want to be reaching or getting feedback from. So it's not just a way to document your journey and your lessons. You also want to impact other people. Yes. And you want to pick and choose who you impact. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Valid. That's like niching down. Like, I don't make motherhood content. Not that I don't care about moms, but who I'm trying to reach is like coach entrepreneurs. So, being mindful of who you want to impact matters. And it's something you want to impact younger moms. Is that true? Not necessarily, though. Okay. Because I'm like, I don't even care if it's not a female. I guess the focus now is more like there's other ways to live life than the way that maybe we're told you're supposed to live life and just bringing awareness like there's other ways to do it there's not one right way you can create your own life live outside the box bring your kids along with you so I guess I do talk about because the stage of life I'm in I talk about bringing kids along but I guess I do want a younger-ish crowd I don't care how old their kids are okay just along with young kids but yeah And why do you want to talk to them specifically? Do you want to have an offer in place in the future? Yes. So then this is something our content changes because it's so funny. You're talking like I had this example come up. When I was younger, my mom bought us like moon shoes. (laughs) Just like, bear with me. They were like those little trampoline shoes. They were like big and bulky. And like, I thought they were so cool for like two days. Do you ever see people wearing moon shoes around? Like, no. The marketplace said this is not a product we want. And so when we have a business, like there is a product and market fit that we want. With your podcast, like I use data from my podcast all the time about what my clients tell me with their data that they like, right? Based on downloads or shares, plays, all of that. And I'm like, okay, like I let them tell me some of the things that they like. And so I make more of that. I have a specific purpose for my podcast is I want to nurture clients. So like I let them tell me what they like. So you might start experimenting and you see like who's listening, what they like. So it's like your content becomes twofold. Stuff that you like talking about, but also stuff that they like listening to. Attention to who is listening. And if you're like, I get only like 60-year-old women and I love them, but that's not who I'm going after. What kind of content I need to make to match the kind of person that I want to be speaking to? It's not just what we like to talk about. It's also what they like listening to. Yeah, that's helpful because I bounce back and forth between like, 
there are no rules. I can do whatever I want. It's my podcast. But then also like this more, and if it's logical, but just like this other thought of, well, from like a marketing standpoint, if I do want to grow the podcast, maybe I have to think about some of these things. And I feel kind of torn between the two. Yes. There's like principles of success. So it's like, if you want people to pay you money down the road, you have to think that has to be something that you're planning for. You nurtured a relationship over time based on the person that you want to speak to, right? So it's content that you like to listen to so that when you have something to offer them, they're like, yeah, I've been listening for six months. I love you. It wouldn't make sense if you have only six-year-old women. Like you said, like you love them. It's not that you don't love them. But then you're like, if you're a young mom, come hang out with me in this paid program. Like they're not there yet. So your content needs to be with them in mind. Okay. That is helpful. And I think experimenting is very underrated. I had actually a similar thought to the comment about, I don't want to send too many emails. Yes. It was really hard for me to even do a monthly podcast at the beginning. But now I'm very consistent weekly. And I almost feel like I have so much to share that I could do like two a week. But I've had that thought of like, is that too many? Are people really going to listen to two a week? How do you listen to podcasts? I just kind of binge them. <laughs> For the podcast that I listen to, I listen to all of it. They could put out one every day and I'd probably listen to it. You could be that person for someone else, like your people. And like they have permission to not listen to every episode. But this is about art. Thinking about it like art is really important. Like if you love producing two episodes a week, your people probably love consuming two episodes a week. That's fun. It's a fun thought. I think about it like a stick. So like this is how I teach too. It's like if you want to have this offer in the world, there's probably someone who wants that offer. You want to produce two podcast episodes. There's probably people that want to consume your two episodes. It's just so much more happy to think about it like that instead of I don't want to annoy them. They don't really like this. It's like then why are you making it? They They want it. And if you binge podcast, this is why I make content the way I do. There will be someone who stumbles upon your podcast in two years who listens to all your episodes on like a long drive or something. You're not just content for right now. You're also creating content for people who find you in the future when they binge all of it. And they're going to be so glad that you did two a week. Okay. That feels so true because that's what I've done. The people I find, I go back to the beginning and I listen all the way through. And I like hearing how they evolve over time. Well, it's like, think about your favorite TV shows. It's like, oh my gosh, there's so many episodes. I hate this. (laughs) Yes. Next. Yeah. Our brains are so good at being like, no one cares about what you do. People think you're annoying. But we don't spend enough time thinking about the people who are obsessed with you, who are dying to open your email newsletter, Kristen, who are dying for you to come up with another podcast, Jade. We have to think about our fans, not our naysayers. That, like, that's where our brain goes. Like, oh, I'm going to be annoying. Oh, they're going to wish I wasn't. Like, they'll unsubscribe. They'll unfollow. Don't make it for them. Make it for the people who are like, yes, Jade's doing two episodes now. I'm so excited. That's so fun. That just like, I feel like my creative chakra just like burst wide open. Like, yes. Okay. It's so much more fun to think about it that way. And then it just feels easier to produce because you're thinking about the people who actually like it, which is who you should be thinking about anyway. Yes. (laughs) Cool. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm excited. I don't think most people know what you do. You should tell them just like a little bit about your crash course. I think it's so cool. Okay. (laughs) So my family and I, I have two little boys. They're five and seven. So our family of four. We sold or gifted almost 95% of our belongings and packed up a car and we are traveling the United States for the year and we're doing 
like one month in each location. So 12 to 14 might be over a year, but 12 to 14 different cities. We're going to stay in an Airbnb in each place and just live our normal life. Like we're working and homeschooling and all that good stuff. But then we are doing a lot of exploring and sightseeing and adventuring too. Yeah, it's so cool. Thank you. Thanks, guys. A lot of assumption is totally relevant here. Like, it's like you get what you assume. So if you assume you're going to put out two contents and people are going to be annoyed and not stop listening, like, that's interesting to see. But it's just interesting to see that both of you didn't assume that people are, like, obsessed with your content so excited. It's like, why not? Why not think that? I think it feels kind of vain (laughs) to think that, but it doesn't hurt to. Is it better to think that no one cares? Is it better to think that you're annoying people? No. And it doesn't have to be like, look at me. Like, that's not what I believe. I'm like, no, but my, my people love my podcast. My people love seeing my Instagram posts. I have people looking for my stuff. Why not think that? Yeah. Well, I'm going to go get creating then. Oh. Thanks, guys. So good. All right. Anyone else on the hot seat before we hop off? As an exercise, maybe like something to think about. What would you love to believe about people consuming your content? I made like a little list when I started my podcast. I was like, I want to believe that people are like waiting to listen. Like they're waiting for the new episode to come out on Friday. I want to believe that people share my podcast. I want to assume that people like when I create more than one episode a week. It's like choose a little list of things that you would love to be true and practice believing in about your people consuming. It's kind of fun. Annie, did you want to come on? Okay, awesome. How can I help you? I realized I have this problem that... I have a lot of ideas, which I think is a good thing, but I've realized that what I'm doing is chasing new ideas instead of following things through. And it's because I don't want to fail. (laughs) I know that. I know that that's why. Yeah. Can you tell me specifically like the new ideas and the idea that you're actually wanting to follow through on? I mean, I want to follow through on all the ideas, but (laughs) I feel like I've noticed this pattern. It just was kind of like, I think over the weekend, kind of like this big aha Ah, I'm getting so emotional. I'm like, okay, I want to push my group program. But then I'm like, oh no, like I really want to start getting more into the exercise venue of things. So like I keep wanting to pivot over there, but I know that I need to follow the group coaching through because I see a lot of value in it. And it's really where I want things to go more than one-on-one. I feel like it's so valuable for me in group coaching settings. Like that's what I want for my clients as well. I feel like there's just so many benefits from learning from other people. But I've tried it twice and it hasn't worked. And so I'm like, it's not going to work. And it would just be easier to do something else. Yeah, for sure. It's always going to be easier to start something else. Your brain is always going to make you believe that. As entrepreneurs, we get rewarded for trying new things. We do. Right. Like it's like you try something new and you get a reward. I think part of our evolution is knowing like the reward that you want is different. You want a booked out group program. That means there's going to be some stick to itness. Have you ever heard someone like who's an entrepreneur? It's like, well, you know, I launched my first group program and it just made one hundred and fifty thousand dollars the first time. I barely even had to try. It was amazing. <laughs> have you ever heard? Yeah. I have. No. <laughs> I think about my first group programs like. Every time I launched it, it was like I got like either like one or two people. And it was frustrating in the beginning, but I wasn't like really like observant of what was going on around me, maybe. Like I didn't know what alternatives were. So I was like super stoked to have two people or one person. It's like, hey, cool. But I'm curious like what you expect to have happen because I know that expectations create suffering sometimes. That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, because the thing that I keep telling myself is, I talked to you about this before, but 
when I launched it in March, I had two people and I just like, instead of doing a group coaching format, I just turned them both into one-on-one client. And so I've already decided like, okay, even if it's two people, I'm going to stick to the group format. And I'm also going to invite some of my one-on-one clients to those group calls to help, you know, with that. So I've already decided that. I guess right now I'm just like telling myself no one's interested in it. And so then I'm like, well, so what? So they aren't like, I don't know. I keep like talking myself into circles, but I just feel stuck. I don't know. Yeah. So this is what's interesting. When you try on that thought, like no one's interested in my group program. How does that feel? Well, there's part of me that's like, eh, it doesn't matter. Like, it's okay. Like, I can try it again. That I could build on that later on. And then there's part of me that's like, dang it, you know, disappointed that. Like, I want people to be interested. So one of the things that I'm very aware of, and this is good for all of you to try on and see if it resonates for you. For me, when I feel bad about something, it's because I'm believing something that's not true. So when you say no one is interested in my group program and that feels bad, it's because that's not true. Now, you might not have a bajillion people interested in your group program, but like, what if we found a better feeling thought than that? There's at least a handful of people that are interested in my group program. How do we know that? You have people on the wait list, Annie. <laughs> like, there are people who are interested. Yeah. Then I talk myself out of it again, right? Because I'm like, well, one of the people on the wait list is my sister. And she already told me, like, this is where coaching is so powerful. You have to talk yourself into the belief instead of out of it. It's always easier to be like, yeah, see, like, it's only my sister-in-law. No one really cares. Like, you have to do the work, and it takes a little bit more effort to talk yourself into what you want to believe, which is like, there's people that are on the sense that just need me to talk to them one more time today. There's people who've never been a part of a group program that, like, I'm going to help them change their life. There's people in a Facebook group or on my Instagram that, like, are looking for this. I'm going to find them today. You have to consciously choose thoughts that line up with what you want. So if you want a group program, you have to start practicing believing things. Feels weird. Feels delusional. You don't have evidence yet, but this is how you create the evidence is believing things. Like what was a helpful thought for me? It's like the perfect number of people will join my group program. I don't know what that number is, but the perfect people will be in there. There's at least one person waiting to hear about my group program today. And you're convincing yourself of that, not of the other thing. Feels more believable but you're trying to create something you've never created before. So you have to believe things that you've never believed before. And that's why I'm here. I'll remind you because I believe those things naturally for you. I'm like, of course, there's more people in your Instagram audience. Of course, there's people in the Facebook group that want your group. Find them. Don't okay. believe what your brain offers you. Sometimes they're mean and not true. I like that. That's helpful. That's a good shift. One by one was really powerful. Like there's one person waiting to hear about my group today. And I always would think about the one. I still think about the one because that's how we sign clients, even in a group program. We sign them one by yeah, one. Yeah, it's true. And so then what do I do with the other ideas of like all the other things that I'm like, I want to do this. I want to do this. Yep. Do I just like keep a journal of like yes. ideas that I can come back to? Yes. I never say my ideas are bad. It's just like not right now. And then I have my notes app in my phone. Like I've got so many ideas and it's just like one day. Because right now, constraint is your friend. You're constraining into filling your group and you're putting all your focus and attention there. Because you've probably heard where attention goes, energy flows, right? So you're putting your attention in group so you can fill it. In the future, you'll have plenty of opportunities to execute on all your ideas. That I'm like, every time I go to make content for my group, my brain is like, oh, you could do this. Oh, you could do this. But it's not content related. It's other ideas for other things. That squirrel 
is also trying to distract you from the uncomfortableness of filling a group thing that like my brain does all the time. So just notice it and be like, oh yeah, group. That's my number one focus. This is my priority until it's done. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Annie. Keep me posted on how it goes too. The power of one is so powerful. Just try it. There's yeah. one person who wants the wait list. I'm going to speak to them today. What do they need to hear from me? Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you, ladies. Have a beautiful Monday and I will see you next week.